0: Hey you fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 151. 151. Have you ever thought what it's like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension?
1: Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing.
0: I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. There's no point in being grown up if you can't be childish sometimes. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon.
1: Unlimited rice pudding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I am the doctor.
0: Great men are forged in fire. It is the privilege of lesser men to light the flame. I'm the doctor. This is Rolls Tyler. She's my plus one. Is that all right? That would be me. Hello. Surprise. Boom. Etc. I'm the doctor. Do everything I tell you, don't ask stupid questions, and don't wander off. How can you new this? I don't like the colour. Howdy do, do, who fans? It's episode 151. It is upon us. Mm. Adam and I are kind of awake. (laughs) Not as sleepy as we were from the weekend.
2: No. Almost back to being human again. Almost. Almost. Not quite.
0: Yeah, it does uh, sap your energy a wee bit. Mm. Yes, yeah. uh, those of you that don't know, we were at London Film and Comic Con <laughs> <laughs> at the weekend, and it was a full-on weekend, especially the Saturday. Mm. That was knackering. So, uh, yes, I don't know about you, mate, but I was shot to bits. I was shot to Sunday. bits.
2: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I was shot to bits at the end of Saturday. I was. Uh, Saturday was mad. Um, <laughs> I absolutely loved the whole weekend, though, mate. I don't know about you. I, I was. Uh, I was sat on the train on the Sunday night, rattling my way home with just a massive grin on my face. <laughs> and my eyes were half shut. I probably looked like I was completely out of it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was full on, wasn't it? I mean, Saturday was – we knew it was going to be busy because uh, the Saturday actually sold out, didn't it? It did, um, yes. Whereas the Sunday was, yeah, was selling well, but they still
0: had tickets. But, my goodness, what a weekend. Blimey. Yeah, it was – It was action-packed, to say the least. Mm. Yeah. And uh, we had, I think, yeah, the Saturday was our busiest day because we had the most amount of photo shoots and things like that booked in. And then Sunday Mm. was relatively chilled. We had a few in still, but it was relatively chilled.
2: I'm glad we managed to get in a couple of talks this time because I... uh, without blowing my own trumpet was much more organized this time i had my phone every two minutes didn't i check in my schedule and I'd, and I'd made a note of the times which i forgot to do last year so last year i didn't get to go to any talks but um this year just just scraped into the sylvester mccoy didn't i, I like you got you got there and i literally got there as he was getting going um and that was such a good talk i thought um i thought sylvester was on really good form it was just him on his own and he did like a bit of a sort of one man show, didn't he? Rather than just standing yeah. on the stage and just, you know, chatting to people, he actually got involved with the whole audience and he was walking around. And every time someone answered a question, he was fighting his way through, you know, the seats to get to them, to hold the mic to them. And it, it just made it so much more interesting having him just walking around, around the room and chatting. Cause everyone was sort of cranking their necks following him around, weren't they? It was <laughs> yeah. just really funny. I was just watching everyone and, um, but I thought he was really good, didn't you? I thought he was quite honest in in his answers. He was also quite funny in his answers. He was sort of pretty quick with the um coming up with a funny response when it was needed um but like when he was asked about his thoughts on a female doctor, he didn't sort of shy away from from saying you know his thoughts on it, which were mm. basically that he he basically said his initial thoughts were we didn't really he didn't really want a female doctor but when it was announced you know he was quite excited by it and he sort of changed his, his mind and he thinks actually it's going to be a good thing but you know he sort of went into a bit more detail but that was the gist of it wasn't it that he he felt the doctor was a male character and it should remain a male character but he sort of um, came around to the idea after Jodie was cast and thinks that she's going to be amazing i think is the gist of it. I don't wanna I don't want to misquote him after the whole Peter Davison debacle. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't wanna get Sylve into trouble here. But I think that's pretty much what he was saying, would you say?
0: I yes, I agree with that. Yes. Yeah. It was uh he was yeah, just what you said really, he wasn't really up for it before. But then mm. in a similar way that we were, I think. That we Yeah, it's we, exactly what I thought. Yeah, yeah, we weren't sort of too uh fussed. Well not too fussed, but we weren't over the moon at the idea of a female doctor for a while but then somehow I'm not sure when Jody was announced and it just seems really cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, but he was so good. So because we went to a talk earlier and that was for, um, Lala Ward and
2: Mark Strickson and that Strixen. other
0: guy who was in robot Shieldwood, I can't remember his name. Yeah. Rusty somebody. Yeah. Uh, the wee chap. Yeah. And, uh, that was very formal that you would expect one of those talks where That's right. they were just sat on stage and there was an interviewer and he was asking them, you know, the usual questions around, you know, your time on the show, on mm. Doctor Who and all that stuff. But when Sylve walked in, the guy that was going to be asking him questions, he told him to sit down and have a rest. Yeah. And then he spent <laughs> the rest of the time just, like you said, walking around. He was even going down the rows and sat next to people and very, very engaging, really cool.
2: I couldn't see yeah. him because Silver to sit down. But was the interviewer the same guy with Sylvester as it was with Lala and and uh, Mark? No. Was it the same no. bloke? Oh, okay. Because no. Lala scolded him big time. I mean, don't mess with Lala Ward, whatever you do. Because <laughs> he told, told them off for being late, didn't he? When they first walked on stage or something. Is that, am I remembering that right? Didn't he say something when they walked and said, so, oh, they're here finally or something. And she was like, well, no one come to get us. And she she sort of cut him dead. Yeah, um, that's yeah. true, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and the thing is, I, I, I've met Lala a couple of times now, and do you know what? I really like her now. I remember when I first met Lala Ward, and I, she's very short, um, very sharp-tongued sometimes and, mm. uh, and quite direct, isn't she? And I, I mistook her for being quite rude when I first met her. I, I was a bit like, ooh, don't know about her. But as I've met her a couple of times over the years, and the more I see her in interviews, i realise realised, actually, she's a really lovely woman. And I did meet her that weekend for an autograph and photo, and she was lovely. Um, and I've just got to realise that she's not rude. She's just very direct, and she will tell you her thoughts, um, which is great when you're, you know, when she's being interviewed because she doesn't sort of mince her words when it comes to talking about her time on the show, <laughs> especially when it comes to talking about Tom Baker. She's very honest, mm. um, and yeah, uh, yeah she's a, she's a really good guest actually, and I I, I really enjoyed meeting her again uh, at this event. And uh, Mark Strickson was very nice as well. I think, um, you know, he, he had a, a really massive cue to meet him. Actually, I didn't realise that. Uh, <clears> Turlough <throat> was such a popular companion, to be honest with you. But um, but it was great to see all the classic guys getting you know lots of attention and not just sat there talking to the person next to them because there's no one in the queue. I mean, I think you'll agree with me. All of the classic guys that we saw at the event, so there was uh, Matthew Waterhouse, um, Nicola Bryant, mm-hmm. Richard Franklin, um, Mark Strickson, obviously Lala Ward, John Leeson, all their queues were really, really you know, long queues. There was people wanting to meet. And uh, the reason I say I'm surprised about that was because you've got to think this event had a lot. And I mean, a lot of big guests. So you've got people like Benedict Cumberbatch, John Cleese, uh, loads of people. um, Who's the guy that's in Dr. Strange, Michael. There's loads of big names. there. basically Pamela Anderson and, lots and lots of big names um yeah. so there was yeah. a lot going on um but it was just really nice to see the, you know this little section of the who corner just getting so much love and 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 they were everybody i met i don't know about you was in really good spirits. like everybody seemed to be really chatty friendly up for selfies and all that sort of stuff and i so, saw yeah yeah just just was a really good buzz really
0: it was and i'm really glad that doctor who uh really kind of took over certain areas of the um, the convention as well because like you say there were some really big names there really big sort of current hollywood past and present sort of stars mm. and uh but when the the classic guys were, were there was one exception and it was only for a, for a short while but uh so when sylvester mccoy was sat down signing photos There were a few times where there was literally no, because he was in between. Do you remember when I first (laughs) got
2: there and I said to you, yeah, he was." Bernie Cribbins was to his left and had a massive queue and uh, who was to his, who was to his right? Somebody else. Um, It wasn't a
0: Hooper, so no, it was. No,
2: but it was somebody who had a really
0: big queue. Somebody from Game of Thrones it was.
2: Yeah, yeah, so there's two massive queues, and I said to you, didn't I, because when I got in, I obviously I could, didn't find you for about an hour, and I said, oh, I've just seen Sylvester in, bet- in between these two long queues. I said he only had one person in his queue, and he was dressed as Colin Baker. <laughs> 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 but his queue did live up later on, but I did. It I was did. worried for Sylv at one point, yeah.
0: <laughs> it was great, because when, when you were off doing a photo, uh, that was when his queue was, there was nobody there. So yeah. I wandered up and had a nice little chat with him, because there was nobody behind me yeah if you time
2: it right those things that, that is the good thing because obviously a lot of the time they're off doing talks and photo shoots or whatever and very often if you get them when they come back everyone you know the table's been empty for like 20 minutes half an hour so if you time it right it can be yeah, you yeah. Can have a good old chat with them.
0: yeah so with the exception of that little period there for sylv um it was really really good to see the other stars of doctor who Uh, or or classic Doctor Who, getting a lot of love because some of the queues were massive. I remember on Sunday when Nicola Bryant was there, I I got to the venue late that day because Mm. um, the Thameslink trains were uh, very handily all cancelled because one of the red lights wouldn't turn on somewhere down the track. Uh, (laughs) Our transport's great, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it's wonderful, yeah. Uh, So I got there quite late, and uh, when I arrived, the queue for Nicola Bryant was massive. Yeah. Absolutely huge, and uh, she was really lovely. And the day before, though, when I had my photo shoot with Sylvester at, on the TARDIS console, that queue was just – it was massive. That I mean, He he was sold out sort of mm. straight away. So um, it was just so good to see it in all like the current TV series that are going on at the minute, like Game of Thrones and all that stuff and Benedict Cumberbatch, all those people that are super popular. It was great to see the classic guys – getting a lot of love and the queue is really big. So, Mm. because we were there mainly for who let's be honest, but. um, Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: I was going to say there was a couple. Yeah. I was going to say there were a couple of new guests. I got to meet, um, David Morrissey, obviously played, played the, what was he called? Jackson Lake. I forgot the name there. Yeah. But the the next doctor, um, you know, when you're sort of not sure what a person's going to be like, Cause, cause often they play a very sort of harsh character. Yeah. So I wasn't sure what he'd be like, uh, but he was really, really nice when I met him. Uh, and it took me a little bit by surprise and it's always good when they're nice and chatty. Cause you know, sometimes they're not always, you know, sometimes you can't wait to meet someone and they don't say two words to you, but, but um, <laughs> yeah, David Morrissey was a, a real delight to meet. He was really chatty asking where I was, you know, where I'd come from and what, you know, who I'd met that day. And I, he said, Oh, who you off to meet now? And I was like, Oh, well, I'm, I'm going for a photo shoot with david bradley actually he's like david bradley oh he's a legend make sure you say hello from me he's going you know he's really sort of just really sort of um warm friendly person to meet so and david bradley mate probably the highlight of the day for me was getting a picture of him because he was having so much fun in his photo shoot like a lot of them with benedict cumberbatch i'm not exaggerating when i say i blinked and i was gone because i was it was so worried that my photo I was going my eyes shut because I literally stood next to him blinked and went to smile but it was done mm. like I didn't even have time to breathe with him um you know so that was that but with David Bradley he was having so much fun with the people in the queue a lot of people were asking him to do the whole William Hartnell lapel holding pose and stuff <laughs> and he was doing a lot of that and uh and he was just really smiley and you know engaging with people which you you know, in these photo studio things, they get, they push you through really quick. You don't really mm-hmm. get a chance to even get to know them normally, but it just, it was a great atmosphere in his shoot. And a lot of people were asking him to do stuff from, um, I assume like the Lord of the Rings or something, but he kept going into this sort of, you know, some strangling people pose. And it was, it was just brilliant just to, while I was waiting for my photo, just watching doing all these different mm. things with people and shit. It was, it was fantastic. Actually, it was a real highlight for me. Um, and Louise Jameson, I mustn't forget her as well. Ah, she's yes. yeah. really lovely, and I got to tell her that we um, about the podcast and how we used to hate the Sunmakers, which is her favourite story, um, but but one that we both thought was rubbish until we rewatched it, <laughs> <laughs> and then we both really liked it, didn't we? So I got to have a real good old chat with her about that, um, and she was saying, you know, she's pleased that we we changed our opinion, and I just said to her, I think it's one that you have to be in the mood for, and you have to sort of mm-hmm. if you watch it properly it's a great story so yeah she was lovely to me as well um yeah i think that's it i mean we yeah it was it was just a really good day we met up with loads of hootubers and stuff didn't we and
0: yeah and things like that so it's quite yeah. a big group of us yeah. yeah we met loads of people there actually we um there were just uh some really nice random people who had stopped and said i'll oh, listen to your podcast it's really good mm. uh, that's always nice and uh yeah we met up with uh, some other podcasters and YouTubers it was great atmosphere really really cool it was a really good atmosphere yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah it's just uh if anyone's not been to the some of the larger comic cons like the MCM one in London or or this one at uh, the Olympia um they're hectic and they're busy and uh, it, it's knackering and your feet hurt afterwards and mm. your voice my voice well, I was hoping to do some recording some interviews on the Sunday but I just couldn't because my voice was gone I literally was to the yeah. point where, because I was shouting so much throughout all of Saturday, because mm-hmm. it's really noisy in there, and he ended up just chatting throughout the whole day anyway. I just couldn't, so yeah, apologies that there's no um, audio uh, in, uh, audio interviews or anything uh, from from the weekend. But I just Saturday was so busy, and Sunday I couldn't talk. So yeah, there we go. But it was an awesome weekend. It really was, mate. It really was, and I just
2: yeah, I, I, I can't wait to do it all again. I, it's like anything. i I love it when you get like when we got out there on the Sunday and stuff and you know the Sunday was more chilled wasn't it, it So was more it wasn't as busy but it was still busy mm-hmm. but uh yeah that feeling of coming out and being like ah oh, I've done it all you know <laughs> and then and then I'm already like the next day I'm like oh, I can't wait for the next one now um I'll I, I tell you the only thing I was uh, the only thing was on the Sunday I got uh so so close to getting David Bradley's autograph graph because he he was so busy all day and I don't know what was going on with his queuing system. Um, and this is nothing, it's not his fault, but it, whatever was going on with the organization was shot to bits with his queue, wasn't it? Cause it didn't change from one to 20 all day. That's right. The ticket thing yeah. was like, what's going on? So anyway, I managed to get, I managed to get in the queue and I was with, um, uh, Charlie, one of our listeners who we'd met up with earlier and his dad. And it, this is right at the end of the day. And I had two photo shoots left. So right at the end of the day, I had a shoot with Louise Jameson and Matthew Warthouse, And I was like, I've got five minutes to get to the shoot. (laughs) Admittedly, it was only like two minutes away the the actual photo booth and I had about eight people in front of me and I was just like, (laughs) come on. And I was just thinking, can I do this? Can I, can I get his autograph and get to the shoot? And of course it got to 20 past and I just couldn't leave it any longer. And I was, but it was, it was murder. I was so, I could, you know, so close to getting to him. Mm -hmm. Um, But thankfully uh, I, I, shoved some money in charlie's uh, hand and said if you if you can grab me his autograph mate and i'll and i'll see you here afterwards um so i run off to the shoot and um when i come out i couldn't find charlie anywhere <laughs> i was like where's charlie gone couldn't find him anywhere um and uh didn't know if he'd managed to get it until the next day when i got a message from him saying oh i couldn't find you anywhere and i was like no and i couldn't find you anywhere he's <laughs> like oh, i got your autograph <laughs> but he lives um he lives a million miles away so he's gonna post it to me which is very very kind of him oh, so fab. i yeah. did yeah so but i yeah it was just it was killing me being in that queue i was just like so close and i was like oh do i do i miss out on a photo shoot at matthew waterhouse to meet david bradley or bearing in mind i'd already paid for it because i know um a lot of people probably would have preferred to meet david bradley but i was just like oh. Oh, i paid for it i've got to go yeah. yeah anyway it's all worked out it's all worked out good
0: yes it it's all yeah. good So that was our weekend. Yes. I hope you guys had a cracking week and did something.
3: Doctor Who buys.
0: Yes. uh, Waving to new listeners, um, because when we came back for episode 150, we had uh, a bunch of people saying, glad you're back, X, Y, and Z. But that also had a knock-on effect. We bagged a load of new followers and listeners. So if you're new Mm -hmm. to the show, welcome aboard. Grizzled Ancients, welcome back. <laughs> welcome back aboard the TARDIS. Aboard the Flyman TARDIS. <laughs> My voice has still gone a little bit. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's still a little, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, coming up in today's show, uh, we're going to rattle through. We've only got, it's very light on news. Mm. Cause this always happens, isn't it? Whenever Doctor Who goes off the screens, when the current series finishes, it all sort of dries up a little bit. Mm. Uh, until we have some announcements and leaks and all that jazz uh, for the next episode, which will be the Christmas one. Um, Not that we're into leaks and rumours here, but that seems to be the the way of things with Who. So we are having a little bit of a break now for a few months, so it's good that you're with us, because I remember back when things like this, I remember when Star Wars did this, remember when um, there was absolutely nothing between Return of the Jedi and the phantom menace Mm. years and years of nothing the only thing that you had really was i think there was a star wars magazine that was going throughout the time and Mm. there was the odd video game and stuff but it was very it's known as the dark times isn't it the dark times yeah Yeah. and Mm. uh it's pretty much the same with who i mean we went through this for a whole year almost didn't we Mm. when there was no hugh no hugh who's hugh hugh no hugh hugh when there was no hugh on tv when there was no hugh so we're glad that you're with us, new listeners and old listeners, because hopefully we're providing some kind of Who Entertainment while it's a bit dry out there Yeah, and a bit dark.
3: <laughs>
0: Desolate. barren. <Bower. laughs> Anyways, news is coming up. bit of merch. Then we're going to announce our giveaway. So last week on the show, you would have heard us announce uh, the cool prize of the Series mm. 2 Blu-ray Steelbook beautiful which, still book it is indeed which was provided very kindly by our friends at zoom.co.uk so we're going to announce something for that after the news and merch and then on to our review mm, mm. Mm. Mm, yes yes dear 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 now my child yes mm. uh, of the Ark, the Ark. first doctor we haven't done a first doctor in a while no it's good good to see a bit of first doctor actually yeah indeed so with all that said Shall we land it and do the news? Okay. First up, our only bit of news, actually, and this is a bit of a strange one. Mm -hmm. And uh, the um the auction website ebay has uh given us some data on which doctor is the most popular on their website so i'm assuming this is any listing that's on ebay uh that has um been that has referenced a doctor so whether that's a dvd or an action figure or a book or something like that so they looked at um, nearly six thousand listing listings. That's why I know. They looked at a lot more than that. But um, the the doctor that t- topped the list because they did like a, a Paul, uh, Colin Baker will love this, but they did a list of like the you know <laughs> the, the most popular doctors listed on eBay, and with nearly six thousand listings, and this was on the nineteenth of July, uh, the doctor that topped it was David Tennant. Surprise. Which is not much of a surprise, is it? So, hmm. yeah. So there was, I'm not sure how accurate this is, but because would they would they count for things like uh, group listings? If somebody was sending like a bunch of figures that had, would they count that as well and just reference all the other ones? I'm not sure. But, um, yeah. So David Tennant has topped the list with nearly 6,000 listings on that day. Hmm. Uh, bringing up the rear, <laughs> and I'm sure he'll love this, as you said earlier, mate. Do the voice. <laughs> is Colin Baker. Change. Oh, sorry. I
2: thought, sorry yeah, I thought you were going to do Tom Baker. Yes, yeah. it's
0: Colin Baker. Change, my dear. So, yeah, bringing up the rear is Colin Baker. I'm sure we'll be thrilled to hear that. Uh, and there was a couple of surprises in this list, you know. And I'm not sure yeah. if it's because of opinion or because of lack of merchandise. I'm not sure. But uh, second from last is Paul McCann. Mm. And third from last is Pat Troughton.
2: <gasps> now, that I am surprised about. Yeah, you know, Mm.
0: Uh, mm, mm. Mm. Mr. Hartnell in next, Davison, then Pertwee, then Matt Smith, then Peter Capaldi, second place was Tom Baker, and then first place, David Tennant. David
2: Tennant, yeah. It's no so, surprise, is it? Because, I mean, the, when the show was come back and in its... um. You know, at its peak, there was so much David Tennant merchandise everywhere. So I'm kind of not surprised. I mean, you used to go into sort of supermarkets and good old Woolworths when it was still on the high street. And <laughs> it was just everywhere at one point, wasn't it, during the David Tennant years? It was everywhere. So I'm not surprised yeah. He's he's got the most merch. Um, poor old Colin Baker at the bottom of the list, though. But fear not, Colin, because bizarrely, the very last thing I bought off eBay, which was last week, was uh, a Colin Baker related item so don't worry colin i'm fighting your corner <laughs> i know you hate lists and especially when you're at the bottom of them but yeah i bought the um the theme tune you know like the, the seven inch single they used to put out with colin's sleeve his picture on the front so i'll put a picture on the geeks handbag this week i've got all i've got four five and six now i wanted to get all the theme tunes with their picture sleeve so yeah so i've just got colin's so i'm fighting his corner
0: nice on ebay yeah Yeah. that's knocked him up to two sales up to (laughs) i'm sure that'll make the difference (laughs) um yeah unsurprising seeing uh tom tom baker in second place as well yeah um yeah i think when we went through our top fives last week um you did say didn't you there was so much good stuff in tom's era that it's difficult to look look at elsewhere for some, some other good stuff so um, mm. and there's lots of tom merchandise as well whenever speaking of conventions actually you always see people in in tom's scarf at least yeah even if they're not wearing anything else it's the scarf that you always see and and all that stuff so yes
2: yes we did see a lot of colin baker cosplay at lfct didn't we i think we you did. commented on it yeah. so yeah a lot of people yeah going as Colin yes. well, what's what's the last thing you bought off eBay Doctor Who wise, or don't you really use it for Doctor Who
0: oh the last thing um, I don't really use eBay that much at all anymore
2: oh right um,
0: okay. the last Doctor Who thing I bought I think oh do you know what I can't I, I can't even remember I think it so oh easy. it was um, it was uh, <laughs> it was a David Tennant figure with um, Martha and the uh, TARDIS that came out along with that range of figures
2: Oh, right, okay. And that was
0: about two and a bit years ago. So that was the last time I ordered anything Doctor Who off eBay. That's why he's number number one. That's why he's number one, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, so just to finish up on uh, some more figures from from eBay, uh, there was 190,000 listings for Doctor Who on the 19th of July, Mm. which is huge. And this is incredible, but a sonic screwdriver uh, sells at least once every hour wow. on eBay and so, yeah, so that's in the last three months a sonic oh. screwdriver was sold once an hour wow so it's clear that um, people are still hungry for the old merch mm-hmm. which brings us nicely onto merch old Dalek
2: Tat has been in storage for weeks he's furious he's, I was going to say I bet he's absolutely steaming isn't he
0: well see what he's got to say go on then Merch Corner Merch Corner Merch Corner (laughs) I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted It's a bit rubbish But it's pretty It's very pretty He doesn't sound very different
2: No he doesn't, no It's
0: because I gave him a backhand earlier (laughs) So I don't want your mood Spoiling the show this week
2: don't want him turning into one of those, like the Dalek from Remembrance, just steam coming out of him and spinning around, <laughs> getting all
0: stroppy. Yeah, well, as soon as I saw him this morning, I was like, here we go. Here we go. I thought he's in one of his moods. But, uh, yeah, a couple of swift ones sorted out. Right, first bit of merch. Uh, <laughs> this is one that I have not heard of these before. You probably have, buddy, but I've not heard of this before. Um. Uh, so the Beeb. Uh, are to release the Doctor Who audio annual mm. featuring audio versions of vintage tales published in the 1960s through to the 1980s. So, released this December, uh, it features uh, stories from the first six Doctors, uh, read by stars of the show Peter Purvis, Annika Wiltz, Jeffrey Beavers, Matthew Waterhouse, and Nicola Bryant. Oh. Yeah, uh, so the, uh, the bit of blurb that accompanies this says, for two decades from the mid-60s to the 80s, every fan of Doctor, of the Doctor hoped to find uh, the Doctor Who annual in their Christmas stocking. Larger <laughs> than life and twice as colourful, the stories within were exuberant and charmingly naive in their take on the children's own programme which adults adore. So I'm assuming what they've done is they've, they've plucked a load of stories that featured in the Doctor Who annual from those mm. from that time period and they've got somebody to read them out
2: yes that sounds like it um i don't think they've done this before mate they haven't. no okay. this is new to me no i must admit i i saw this on the list um earlier in the week uh just the cover i didn't take any notice of it at all i was just like yeah another cd coming out from the bbc um it wasn't until you put it on the news list that i've really taken a look at it um i actually think it sounds pretty cool idea actually because i I love the early, you know, the comic strips in the early annuals because um, mm. the artwork's so, so way out in the 60s ones. It's brilliant. Um, obviously, you won't get the artwork in this, but I think it's quite a nice idea, actually. Yeah, to get, especially as you've got some of the um, classic companions like Annika Wills or Peter Purves you know, reading it. Um, yeah, I think it's quite a nice idea. It's something different, let's put it that way. Um, so I kind of feel bad for overlooking it initially, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they're doing something trying something a bit different with it so i'll, I'll probably get this
0: yeah quite I like the sound of it yeah i yeah. think it sounds pretty cool and i love the cover for it they've i love the cover yeah. yeah it it's new but they've done it in a very retro uh sort of 70s style i would say mm. it's got some really old it's got a really old um doctor who comic strip it of artwork on there but it's you know the rest of it's distressed and it looks like it's just been found in a garage somewhere yeah Um, but it does look very cool and it's um i think the only place to order it at the moment is on amazon and it's uh uh, it's 13 pounds
2: 13 pounds which
0: is not too bad and it's out on december the 7th yeah yeah so that might be right
2: yeah, I'll put it on my Christmas list. Uh, right, in other merch, let's have these other two bits off off Dalek's tray. <laughs> it's a couple of SDD exclusive Titans, actually. Um, that have uh, I always think this is strange. So maybe you can explain to me. So they make something as an SDD SDCC exclusive.
0: Yes, but
2: then they sell it afterwards, so it's not actually
0: exclusive.
2: But they are they are fairly limited, I assume. Yeah, I think is it just whatever they don't sell at the event, they then.
0: no no i think no i think yeah it's a bit of a um yeah strange one when it's when you have these convention exclusives i think it more it more relates to the time period rather than um, availability so it's exclusive to the to that convention while the convention's going on so you know people can get them early but then they're up for sort of general sale weeks or months afterwards
2: OK, well, that makes sense. And I'm kind of pleased, actually, because um, as you and I'm sure a lot of our listeners know, I do love Titans. Um, and these are quite nice to the slightly bigger size as well. So they're 4.5 inch. Um, oh, yeah. First yeah. one's the Pandorica TARDIS. Uh, so basically it's a very uh, distressed looking TARDIS. It's got uh, no writing on it, but it's got the sort of um, um, Leonardo da Vinci style yeah flame yeah. Pa- painting on it hopefully the listeners know what i mean but it's uh yes yeah, so there's no sort of no tardis writing on it but it's it's basically the tardis from river gives the doctor a painting doesn't she with this tardis in the middle that's right um yep. in whatever story that was at the end of that series um and it's quite nice i have to say i've just this uh, funny enough these two titans have just arrived in the post so i have actually got them the actual product and they are very nice um so that's the tardis it kind of just looks like it's been painted in that sort of style, but we'll put a link in the description so you can have a look at them. Uh, and the other one that's come out is, um, again, 4.5 inches, uh, the 11th doctor as he appeared in closing time. Remember that story with, yes. what was that companion called? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that Craig, wasn't it? Craig, Craig, he goes and works in a shop. Is it Craig? Oh, Craig. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He goes and Craig. works in a shop with him. So basically it's the 11th doctor in his shirt with his braces and he's got a little badge on saying the doctor here to help. Um, and he's got a Sonic with him as well. So they're, they're two quite nice Titans. I like the bigger, slightly bigger size as well. They look good on the shelf. Um, if I had to pick, I'd probably go with the TARDIS one, mate. I don't know about you. I just think it's a little bit more unusual yeah if i had to pick or one, or you're not because i you do like titans but you're not you're not into them like me but do you like either of these um yeah
0: Tempted they're okay of them or? no they're no. okay uh, if i had to pick one though it'd be the tardis one the tardis one yeah yeah it looks all right
2: yeah so they're, they're out now too you can actually order them uh they're not a bad price i don't think for what they are so they're 12.99 each um yeah. you can get them from forbidden planet they do keep going in and out of stock just to warn you at the minute um uh, for example i think the tardis is currently out of stock but then again if you keep checking it comes back in stock so yeah, yeah if you want yeah. to get them just keep checking the, the forbidden planets it's dot uh, com the one that's got them isn't it the, not yes dot com yeah it's dot com that's got them um on their site at the minute so yeah forbiddenplanet.com. Mm-hmm. and they are rather nice I'm, i was pretty when i opened them up the other day i she thought they, they were very nice i'm very happy with them cool good so yeah there we go
0: and that's it for merch, I think. That's it for merch. Yes. Before we do our review, let's announce our winner. Ooh. For the Blu-ray Steelbook. Yeah, uh, I, I still need to get a, a drum roll sound effect, don't I?
2: Oh right, hang on. Go on then.
0: Right, the winner is. Hold on, let me fire up the. Yeah, <laughs> I've still got this cool little randomizer thing on the uh, on the Google sheet. Let's have a look. Right. Yeah, we need an
2: old 60s sound effect as well, don't we, for that randomizer
0: you Right, (laughs) the winner is Elliot Beasley. Elliot Beasley. Oh, well done. Um, Excellent. He entered via Twitter, says you, at Elliot underscore Beasley. So well done, Elliot. Elliot, we will be in touch uh, very soon to nab your details and we'll get it posted out to you. Well done, Elliot. Excellent. Yes, we'll chuck in a couple of other little bits as well for you. It's a lovely steelbook, that it is. Yeah. Enjoy. Uh, right, thank you all those uh, other people that did enter the and um, uh, the competition. No luck for you guys this time, but we will be doing another one um, in the near future. So uh, keep your ears open for that. Uh, but thank you all so much for entering, everybody. And that was the steelbook giveaway. Now, mm, mm, mm. Mm. my child, yes. Mm. What are we going to review this week, buddy?
2: Gary, I can feel a cold coming on. I don't know about you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The common cold. Uh, We are reviewing the first Doctor story, The Ark. Yes,
1: we've known for some time of the journey of the vessel you call The Ark, and we welcomed it. That is why we built places like this. I see. Just to make us comfortable? I didn't think you needed places like this for yourselves. (laughs) No. Once, we had a shape and form, something like you. Then there was a galaxy accident, a giant solar flare. Now we no longer have a being that you can see or recognize. But uh, can you see each other? Not even that. Oh, we can sense one another, but that is all. That is why it would have been good for Ephesus to be inhabited
2: again by life and the signs of life, provided that the beings who come to take our place
1: are peaceful. We must return to the launcher. We must warn one and the others so that we can prepare to deal with these unseen creatures.
0: So the Ark, the first Doctor story, it is very cool to be visiting the first Doctor again.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, we have, well, I haven't watched Hartnell for a while. We haven't reviewed Hartnell for a while. Yes. Um, and especially as he's very much um, been pushed forward in the new series uh, due to the Christmas special and that, although it's not Hartnell, um, it's good to see a bit of First Doctor and just remind myself, you know, what he's like and stuff like that. So,
0: yeah, yes. it is good. The last time we did a Hartnell story was back in January. No way. Yeah, it was an unearthly Johnny. child. Good grief. Yeah. Well, we've had series 10, haven't we, going on. and Yeah. Uh, and you also said that Hartnell was, in our Q&A, someone says, who's the most underrated doctor? You said Hartnell first. Yes, I do always think he's, he's overlooked, yeah. Yes. So the arc then, this was out uh, in 1966. Good grief. It was a four-parter, 25 minutes each. It was written by Paul Erickson and Leslie Scott and directed by Michael Immerson. Immerson. And it stars, obviously, The Doctor by William Hartnell and the companions are Stephen and Dodo, Peter Purvis and Jackie Lane. Uh, story is thus, uh, the TARDIS team uh, land on what they think is Earth, in the middle of a big jungle. Turns out they're on a spaceship, which the Doctor actually calls the Ark. It wasn't known as the Ark until they got there, uh, but it was just uh, uh, the, so. Basically, the the planet Earth is, is slowly dying, so the um, the last the last of them have uh, uh, shoved themselves onto. It, it's basically the story of the Ark. You know, they're taking the yeah. human civilization and all the animal, well, most of the animals and habitat and everything onto this giant spaceship, and they're going to another planet, which is supposedly supposedly habitable for them. And um, the uh, the the Doctor and and the companions turn up with a cold on the onto the spaceship. They give the cold to the other people. They have no clue what it is because. Human civilization has progressed so much that the common cold no longer exists. Uh, A couple of people end up dying. The doctor gets blamed, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he ends up, you know, healing them, thinks it's all good. They bugger off in the TARDIS. When they return 700 years later, it turns out that the cold was initially stopped, but then mutated and killed loads of people. Loads of humans. Um, All the people that have been shrunk down microscopically, they're all safe in their trays and everything. Um, (laughs) But yeah, the Doctor is, you know, not the favourite person amongst the the humans. Uh, It turns out that the companions to the humans, this uh, race of uh, aliens called the Monoids, uh, who were sort of slave figures, if you like, to the humans initially. There's been a sort of a shift in power. They've revolted, taken over the humans, and now they're going to this planet to set it up as themselves. Uh, and uh, they're going to destroy the humans uh, just before that happens. So it's down to the Doctor and so on to stop all that. And, uh, yeah, make sure that the humans have a happy ever after on Refusis. Hmm. <laughs> With the refusions who they can't see which is awkward
2: yeah it's a lot of moving furniture um and stuff like that
0: in there (laughs) yes a lot of um a lot of a lot of classic filmmaking methods were employed in this one (laughs) to uh to give the illusion that there were invisible people as you would expect from mid-60s yeah so that's the arc essentially Mm -hmm. what did you think to this Hartnell story
2: um, I, I rather enjoyed it. <laughs> um, I was laughing an awful lot. Um, I kept thinking, this is another one of those stories. I wish you were watching it in the same room because oh, there damn. were bits of it I thought, <laughs> I bet Gary's absolutely creasing up at this, especially when um, when one of the monoids goes crazy and starts throwing... Flower vases around. I I just I had to watch that scene twice. I loved it. But no, joking aside, I did find some of it unbelievably funny, uh, unintentionally funny. Um, But going back to the actual story and in a serious way, uh, I did enjoy this. I found I found a a bit of it. You know, some of it dragged. There's no doubt about that. Especially the the second half of the story. So first two episodes actually thought were really good. it actually was really getting into it um and the twist in the middle um of them because obviously back then viewers wouldn't have known this was a four-parter so they would have just assumed at the end of episode two when the TARDIS team leave they probably thought that was the end of the story and we were going on to another story next week but as it turns out we get this little twist Mm. where the TARDIS team TARDIS just arrives back exactly where it was. But it's um but it's a long time what is it, thousands of years later or so? How long is it?
0: Seven hundred years between.
2: Seven hundred years, yeah, yep. not seven hundred years later. And um and so yeah, and then when they arrive back, everything's changed. The monoids have revolted and and put the humans into sort of slavery. So everything's reversed. And I yeah, thought yep. I loved that cliffhanger to the ending. So they sort of look up on what was going to be this statue of um someone or other, some muscly man, <laughs> is now a muscly figure with a monoid head on it. And it's mm. it's I thought it was a fantastic cliffhanger to the second episode. So I was really into this. First two episodes, really, really enjoying it. Second two episodes, um, I did enjoy them. But there was a lot of moments I was finding comedically funny and and they sh- they weren't supposed to be mm-hmm. and i felt that there were scenes where it really dragged as well especially episode three so it definitely lost its momentum for me um the second half of it but but overall mate as a story um i don't think it, it it's a classic i think that it's it's a good one i right. I, I do think it's a, a fun watch but but i wouldn't it doesn't quite hit the mark Right. For me, for okay. me, it's not up there with some of Hartnell's other stories that I really, really like, you know, like the war machines and um, yeah. stuff like that. So it, it's it's a good one. It's not bad. It's watchable. But uh, yeah, it just it just doesn't quite hit the mark for me. And I, I will say this, I think everybody in it, including the director, have tried incredibly hard <laughs> to make this work. Like, I think some of the shots in it, I think the directors, it's really adventurous in its production. You know, I can see that the whole team are really trying to do, to do something good here. It just mm. doesn't quite, they don't quite pull it off. I don't know if you felt that, but like there's lots of nice high shots in the episode one of the jungle and the doctor looking up. And there's a one bit where the camera zooms into the monitor and then it cuts to the real action. And, you know, for the for the time, they are trying to make this story exciting. And I felt like the cast in it, although the supporting cast, which we will get to, although they're they're not great in it. <laughs> I do see that they're trying to, to make this a great story. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, overall I liked it, mate. It's, it's by, you know, by no means perfect, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. What about you?
0: Yes, I would uh, mostly concur with all that. I, I feel that it was um, uh, an enjoyable watch, definitely. It was, it was an yeah. enjoyable watch. Uh, it, it's just a very simple story. Mm. Uh, which is not a bad thing for classic who sometimes it does. Uh, it sort of moves along at a leisurely pace. There's no one thing that uh, people will have noticed who have seen this one is that there's very, very, there's very little action in in, in the whole four parts. There's a few scenes here and there, mo- most notably the episode four, mm. where well, there's a bit of a, a sort of western <laughs> shootout.
2: Moloid really kicks off, doesn't he, at the yeah. end? <laughs>
0: um, so there's that going on. There's a few little bits here and there. But uh, overall, it's a very sort of placid um, mm. affair, really. Uh, and it's okay. I mean, like you, I felt that it did slow down a bit after episode two. I mean, that's always the case, isn't it, with classic It does seem two. to be, yeah. Episode three, if there's, if there's a four or a six-parter, it's always going to be episodes three or four that are going to slow down every mm. time, pretty much. And this is no exception. So episode three does dip a little bit and most of episode four, but it does pick up towards the end. Uh, so it does sort of amble along and it's not too bad. There's, but the one thing that I found about it is uh, two things that stood out to me really at the top of my notes is, and that is Hartnell's not really in it that much
3: uh, yeah. for,
0: for a Hartnell story. He seems to mm. be, he's, there's a few key scenes where he takes the lead but the the rest of the time he's just sort of there, but he's not there, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um yeah. so it, obviously in episode one, he's um he's sort of explaining to the to the the humans there why they're there and Stephen really sort of takes the lead with that stuff. He's sort of Definitely. Gets quite angry yeah. and you know but the doctor sort of explains why they're why they're there and that stuff and he 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 works up the cure to the the cure to the cold and that stuff. And then he's fairly quiet in the, the rest of it. He's, he sort of had, he has, it's almost like he has a sort of a series of small conversations throughout the story, as opposed to having like big Hartnell focused scenes. That's what I found. Yeah. And, uh, and the second thing was, um, yeah, just want to agree with what you said. And that is for a story that's potentially hilarious, unintentionally, (laughs) Uh, the 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 production and the all of the cast really give it their all. They really want to make I think they do the most yeah. of it and try and make it a, a believable story and a, an enjoyable story. So that's one thing that I did write as well, just as sort of note number two for me was mm-hmm. how much the cast and the production are really into it. And uh, because I will say this, I I think that the Monoids is one of the funniest designs <laughs> for a Doctor Who monster i've ever seen it's like uh it, it's a and when you hear what the actors had to do as well in the costume so uh for just a reminder or if people haven't seen this a, a monoid is essentially somebody in a sleeping bag <laughs> with um with a ping pong ball in their mouth and uh and a, bowl yeah, cut, and, and, a and a bowl cut wig look like something from the beatles but <laughs> or it <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's it's definitely a good one to do as a cosplay oh, next year isn't it
0: you'd never get anywhere because there's one scene where you know where you said earlier the scene where the one of them just loses it and starts oh, launching around so so funny well they t- <laughs> The bit where they walk in the room, he actually trips down a step. Didn't I, really? I didn't even notice that. Yeah, he almost falls over. So the, the, the actor he's playing, the, <laughs> he falls down a step because he's got a sleeping bag on and he I can't move. I didn't even his... notice. Yeah. Oh,
2: God. I'll have to go back and watch because I was I was probably so busy laughing because it's not... It's not to be cruel, it's just that he's it's this monoid throwing a real tantrum like a teenager. <laughs> he just suddenly starts picking up vases and smashing them on the floor in a, in a temper. and It was so funny. Is, um, yeah. I'll have to go back and watch it because I didn't notice him trip over. Yeah, yeah. it was
0: really funny. So yeah, yeah and, it, and when I read that the actors inside, they had to basically have a, a ping pong ball in their mouth with the eyeball painted on it. Yeah, and that was you know they had to do that the whole time. That's blooming dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> and the wigs are funny as well. That like you know they the
2: yak hair apparently. John Cornies, Lennon. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so the design is really funny to me. And the thing is, and it's not disrespectful to the, the the people that were designing the show back in the day. You know, it's because they had literally hardly any money. Like we've said plenty of times. You've got to make do with what you've got, and it really is just a series of blue Peter moments where you get, you just go and get a load of stuff and some glue, and some fabric, and you just make do. You just do you the just best you have got. It. So, you know, it's unintentionally hilarious. It really is funny. It's um,
2: funny, and also don't forget the other thing that was really making me <laughs> laugh was the, um, the voices because one of them's voiced by uh, Roy Skelton, mm-hmm. um, who very famously. <laughs> Also did the voice of Zippy Zippy uh, from from anyone anywhere near our age. (laughs) Zippy from Rainbow, which was a kid's show um, when I was young. Uh, It's not on anymore, is it? So... But he still sounds like Zippy. So when he was going mad and ordering people around, all I could hear was Zippy. Oh, and I was just, it was, again, it was just, it was cracking me up. He's like, thank you, Doctor. Now get back to that, you naughty man. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh. It was just, it, it just added to the hilarity. Um, one of the things I put in my notes, I thought I bet me and Gary disagree on this, um, is that I actually do love the design of the monoids. <laughs> And I thought I bet Gary hates them, but I I do love the design of them, um, bad as they are. They I mean it is a it is like, yeah, like you said, it's very blue Peter. But I I don't know, I love the look of them. <laughs> Sorry, really my do. cat's
0: decided to st- try and chew through my headphone cable.
2: All <laughs> oh, right. Get- Oh, yeah, it's
0: gone mad. Ridiculous animal. Trying to kill you, Gary. You, um, you quite like the, the monoids. Yeah, I was
2: going to say, I was thinking all the way through, <laughs> I'm loving the monoids. And I was thinking, I bet this is another Drashic. I bet Gary's thinking they're dreadful. Um, but I don't know. They just. I think because I was, I was sort of falling in love with how bad they were, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah I, they were so bad, they were good. I just loved them. Every time they're on screen, I just loved them. I was just like, oh, the hair. The eye, the voice, everything is hilarious. It's brilliant.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I didn't think they were too bad. They're they're not sort mm. of a drashy level. <laughs> they're not quite that bad. Uh, but I did think they were a little bit. Um, yeah, just, they were so bad. They were they were funny. I mean, they're not they're not too bad. But um, did
2: you think about the voice though? Did you think it was zippy?
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. What you yeah, mentioned I earlier. Out of my that, head. Yeah, you mentioned earlier that uh, that you wished that we'd watch this together, and so do yeah. I because. When I knew that it was Roy Skelton that was voice in one of them as <laughs> soon as I heard his voice, that was me gone. I just it would be like this. <laughs> all <laughs> that, and I thought oh. Crikey. It's, it, Actually, I,
2: I've just read on the thing, he did the voice of Zippy and George. And George I didn't yeah. realise that. He was yeah. talking to himself for the whole show. That yeah. must have been bizarre. No, Zippy. Oh, oh George. Sh- oh, my <laughs> goodness, mate. Man of many talents. um The other thing I would, the other reason I wish you're watching it together is just for the title of um episode two or three. I forget now, two, wasn't it? When it came up on the screen, I heard your voice in my head. Yeah, episode two I figured, the plague the plague. It's the plague and i was like oh my gosh yeah it was just it was yeah it's just one comedy gold moment after another for
0: me yes <laughs> yeah no i agree mate I just cr- cracking up. but
2: i did love it i don't <laughs> want to under- i guess this is a probably thing a bit i don't want to undermine the story because i actually do think it's a very simple concept um and i really really did like the story i loved the mm. the switch at the middle because it, it's so long since i've watched this I'd i'd completely forgotten what any of it was about mm-hmm. um so i loved the switch in the middle and i do like this the actual storyline. if you like i think it's a great little adventure there isn't much action in it like you said but um but i think it's a really good little concept but yeah but uh, you know so i don't want people to think i'm undermining it but i was was laughing a lot
0: yes i i agree yeah yeah i just want to um sort of a hand up and vote towards that as well it's not to undermine yeah. the um not the story time. in any way because it is a fairly decent story it's just a little bit um uh, yeah i think overall for me it just it's a bit slow it is of, a bit slow, yeah, yeah it does move along at quite a leisurely pace there's not much going on and there's an awful lot of talking and not a mm-hmm. lot of doing that's probably the way i can sum it up
2: i thought something got wrong at one point as well because in episode one you know when uh dodo sneezes and and, and steven sort of tries to cuddle her to muffle it because uh, they don't want to be caught oh, and yeah. they just stand there for what feels like forever <laughs> and i was thinking have they forgotten their line are they waiting for a cue did you notice that yes it, it, it goes on i was thinking are they waiting for a cut and then after what feels like forever they they, they just move and carry on with the scene they're like it's as if it's the longest sneeze in history
0: <laughs> yeah i i took that as they were making sure that there was nobody around that yeah. heard the sneeze
2: happens it's just like it, it almost as if the dvd is um, got <laughs> stuck because literally they just stand there still for what feels like forever there was there was a couple of moments like that actually um where it just seemed to me that it was almost as if we were waiting for something like a queue and there was just these really long mm-hmm. pauses there was a couple of bits since episode three or something like that um but as i said on the other hand i thought direction was good and also very adventurous like we've got a live elephant in the studio Uh in the very first scene now that now you know we've seen a live elephant in doc 2 very recently and not knock but it was a cgi one Uh not back then my friend back then they (laughs) have wheeled in a live elephant into the studio and pushed him into a set and what's that thing at the beginning as well a buzzard or something flies across the sand dunes and there's there's all sorts of real animals that these are not stock footage they've actually Brought them in for this story, and I immediately thought they are—they are going for it here. Yeah. Whether they succeed or fail, they are really going for it and trying to do something. But
0: there was one yeah, there's all sorts in there. Yeah, there was one bit where I thought the 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 lizard. What is it? She she accurately labels it. Is it a monitor or I can't remember that. or something something like that. There's yeah. one bit where there's a toucan in there, and I yes. thought he was going to eat the lizard. Because it sort yeah. of goes flapping over it and almost right. picks it up. And I thought, oh, the lizards are gone.
2: Yeah, yeah. But it's just amazing. They actually hmm. went to that, that amount of effort um, back back then, if you yeah. know what I mean. And so, I, did, I did love, just going back to her sneeze, I did really like the idea. Because you know in, let's take Doubt in the Ballot Man, for example, the companion always sneezes when they're trying to hide. And it was a bit of a sort of, it's very much an 80s cop out wasn't it back then? They always used that always used to happen like the A team or something. If they're hiding, someone would suddenly sneeze and they'd all get caught. So I was I thought it was just that, but I quite like the fact it then went on to actually be part of the storyline of um of uh her spreading that mm. cold because I just thought it was just a silly, you know, thing that we always see in, in shows like that. So I'm quite glad it actually had the consequence that she did really have a cold and it wasn't just her, you know. Trying not to get
0: caught—that we've seen a thousand times before, sort of Mm. thing. No, it was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to pick up quickly on what you were saying about them waiting in the bushes after the sneeze Mm -hmm. for ages. Yeah, there was a scene before that uh, when the TARDIS first lands, and uh, Stephen and Dodo are, because she runs out and she's all excited. That's right. What is Uh, she wearing, by the way? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and Stephen chases her, and he's like, "What the hell do you think you're doing? You know, (laughs) there could be anything out here." no atmosphere he basically gives a good selling off yeah and there's a scene where shortly after the two of them are are standing in a bush admiring some animal of some sort but the camera's sort of pulled back quite far and i don't think that they considered the fact that hartnell's in the tardis waiting for his cue
2: oh i saw that i noticed that yeah Yeah,
0: so the tardis is on him for a good sort of Ten seconds or so, while he's just waiting there. Yeah, yeah, and it's meant that the focus of the shot is meant to be on Dodo while she's looking at this animal, or whatever. But you can see Hartnell at the top of the frame, just standing in the doorway of the TARDIS, just you know well, having he's a daydream, cue, isn't he? Yeah, and then all of a sudden he sort of springs to life and he, he marches out, and that's it. So, yeah. um it, do you know what though? It's little things like that that I love about
2: me too. Classic yeah. who especially
0: early classic coup. Because it just goes to show that uh, that well, a they didn't have the time and the money to go back and reshoot all the time. So once you know, once the cameras are rolling, that's it. You've got to get it. And if if there is these little mistakes, too bad. Because there's it wasn't too bad in this one actually. But I noticed a couple of times Hartnell and one of support one of the supporting characters. There was a couple of little line fluffs. Mm. Um, But that's just it's exactly the same scenario. You can't go back and do it again because it's just no there's not enough time to do that stuff but secondly it just shows the professionalism of the actors really because in I get the feeling that how how many times over the years when you've watched like behind the scenes or anything like that where you've seen actors go through like 25 takes because they've fluffed their line or they they can't remember, or not happier with
2: it, or they want to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And they've had a bit of a diva moment. Whereas in this, it's like they they fluff the word and they just re, you know correct themselves and crack on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's none of this. You know, stop. I have got it wrong. Let's go again. And all that. they just they just get on with it. And know? they
2: work together as well because very you know, like if you think about, um, I'm thinking more William Russell actually in this story. But if 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 Bill Hartnell fluffed his line when he was with. um William Russell and, and uh, Jackie Hill, they were very much a team and they were great at sort of, because they knew the script, mm-hmm. you know, they hadn't just read their lives. They were very good at sort of knowing what he should have said and and improvising. And they like you said, very often just had to go with it. Um, we're slightly getting towards Hartnell's regeneration and, you know, we're sort of on the way to them replacing him at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think uh, they talk about in the making of saying, you know, he was getting bad at remembering his lines and all this sort of thing but i don't know about you mate but he may have fluffed a few lines in this i think if anything he was get, getting better at covering up the fluffs because there's a couple of ones where he sort of instead of getting all you know like in say like the pilot and that and stuff he's very if he gets the line wrong it gets very juddery and sort of almost just completely messes the line mm-hmm. in this i notice if he fluffed it he kind of stops and just as if he goes calm and do, and and then delivers the line, and I just thought if anything, he was sort of criticised for fluffing lines towards the end. But I think if anything, he's got better. Uh, yeah, just because because yeah. there's a couple of bits where he sort of says the line wrong, and he just sort of stops and very calmly just says it again, as if as if like we would in a normal conversation. And I thought, you know, people give him a lot of stick, but he's he's doing the job here. Do you know what I mean considering what he was battling with back then, as we know, you know, he did he didn't he had. Um, well, there was a lot of reasons for for why he forgot his lines. Don't to get into that. But do you know what I mean? I think he gets a lot of stick. But for me, yeah, even when yeah. he fluffed it in this, he he saved it without it being too embarrassing or or too obvious. Let's put it that way.
0: No, I agree. And uh, yeah. like I said, there was a couple of line fluffs in it and a couple of words. Yeah. but uh, there there was only very very minute couple of occasions from one and one other th- uh, one other time in the from the supporting cast. But no, there was. he was great in this. He was really the, the lines that he delivered, they're all, all great. All, you know, on point. And, uh, so yeah, he does get, he does get a little bit of criticism for fluffing lines Mm. towards the end of his, of his era. But this one, no issue really. No, I didn't think so. No, No, all good. Um, okay. A couple of like story bits, um, before we move on to, um, some characters, Did you like the, you mentioned the cliffhanger on episode two. Yeah. What a great cliffhanger. So the cliffhanger for episode two. So the the humans that are making sure that the the ship gets to its destination are called the Guardians. That's what they've been called. The rest of the human population has been shrunk down microscopically and they're just kept in these trays. (laughs) Um, Because it's quite cool. Because at the beginning we see somebody who's broken the law and their sentence is to be shrunk down and right. yeah, shoved yeah, yeah. in the trays, you know, with yeah. the other humans. And uh, so the, the guardians are uh, sort of custodian of the human race. Essentially, they're making sure that it's getting to its destination. Okay. Hmm. And, um, but the, i I think you mentioned it earlier, the switch halfway through is such a fantastic way to sort of change up the story midway through, because yeah. although we're saying that you know the story dips, you know into episode three and stuff, it does. But the the initial reaction you get, so and the thing that the clever thing about that cliffhanger is that it's like a time displacement cliffhanger because we're seeing we're seeing it at the, that, that present time where the humans mm. are still in control and stuff. So episode two is before, you know. All, all of the, the, the monoids being in control and all that stuff, we're still seeing it where they're sort of a slave race, if you like, to the humans. And then when the camera pans up, so the humans walk away and the camera pans up the statue. And that's, like you said, when we see the monoids head on top of it. Mm. So it's like a real sort of time displacement cliffhanger because that the completion of the of the statue is not until hundreds of years later. So, because at that time in episodes one and two, they're only starting to build the statue. You only see its feet at that That's time, right. don't you? yeah. And it's going to take them so many years to finish it. It's like almost like, what shall we do on the voyage? You know, let's <laughs> let's build a statue. So at the end of episode two, where you should only really be seeing its feet still, you see the completed statue with the, mon- the monoid head. And I, when I first watched it, I was like, when I first saw it, I was like, no way. Mm. Like, how can this be? it's such a great cliffhanger and do you know what sometimes i miss that in in doctor who because i know that yeah. in modern who the majority of them are all 45 minute one episodes you know and it's very you know there's a lot more singular episodes than there are uh, two or four parts whatever but i really miss those really intriguing cool cliffhangers that we had in classic who
2: It's a good one, isn't it? I'm Mm. surprised I'd forgotten it as well because it genuinely came, you know, I thought like you, I was genuinely like, oh, that's brilliant. That's awesome. Mm. You know, what a great idea. What a great way of showing very simply that something has changed. Um, And the other thing I liked was in sort sort of the first two episodes, the monoids don't speak. So the humans interact with them with this weird sign language. And then in the second half of the story, they've, learn to evolve and they've sort of learned from you know they've taken like uh human technology they say or something don't they and they've learned to build these voice boxes and they're actually in the second two episodes they've actually managed to talk and they communicate and they've really sort of advanced mm-hmm. and i thought that's really cool so we get to see what they were like before yeah. in this very basic sort of form of you know and the humans just yeah, like you said, using them as slaves and getting them to drive round and do all the dirty work. And they, somewhere along the line they have uh, been thinking, I ain't having this. <laughs> and there's a bit obviously been a revolt. And I just thought it's really good because it, it was so much more interesting than if they would have talked from the get go. Do you know what I mean? Just the fact that they're suddenly evolved, you know, themselves as well. Mm-hmm. I just thought it made it so much more interesting to,
0: to watch. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's really they've kind of taken advantage, haven't they, of the of the mutated cold, if you like. Yes. <laughs> so because the human race has kind of gone back into a, you know, this, um, like, they're high fever and they're weak and, you know, a lot of humans die as a result of it. <laughs> the monoids are like, hold up, we have an opportunity here, lads. Mm. Lads and lasses. Uh, yeah, so they, yeah they just seize power and then because it, like hundreds of years have gone past between the doctor going and coming back, um, yeah, they've sort of advanced technology a bit and, mm. you know, and research stuff. Yeah. So these that enable them to speak. So I quite yeah. like the first two episodes where they had this very, very basic and strange sign language where it was just sort of waving their arms and pointing. It's like, go over there and there's something to do. <laughs> and the monoids are like, okay, so off they go and they sort of do it. So it's not sign language, like proper sign language you know, that deaf people, you know, would recognize and stuff. But yeah, it's very, it's very strange, but it's kind of cool in a way. It's, it
2: makes it different, doesn't it? It gives a good difference between the two, two timelines, I think. Yeah. Um. And that,
0: go on. Yeah. But having said that, the amount of uh, emotion and all that sort of stuff, there's no way they could have conveyed that in that basic language. So all of the Mm. plotting and planning that the monoids, especially monoid one, you know, you know, there's no way that we would get what he was trying to do with just that waving of arms and stuff. So it had to happen, I suppose.
2: Monoid one. I love it. Because, yeah, when they're all there's a bit of a revolt in between the monoids in the last part, isn't it? Where one of us is like we should not be doing this and I'm going to stop you and they don't think you're good enough to be leader. And they start turning on themselves and uh, um, yeah, you have got monoid three kicking off and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah. And let's not forget, let's, let's just, I've just got to get this in there before I forget. It does feature, this story does feature my all time favorite line of take them to this, take them away to the security kitchen. I, was, I remember the first time and everybody loves that. And I remember the first time I heard it saying a security kitchen. <laughs> that is really bizarre. And it's so funny because even Steven says later on, don't he? How can I get out of this kitchen? It's, yeah. it's just really weird that they're keeping all the humans in this kitchen oh it's so funny but but what is that about why has they got a security
0: kitchen well it kind of makes sense if you think about it, it because yeah. the monoids they're using the humans as as slaves you know to their every whim and one of the um one of the, the humans that has that has been captured as well i think what's his name who was the human in episode three and four that you know help steven mostly. oh the one
2: that's the dark haired guy um zentos could be i, I didn't catch any of their names apart from one who will come on to when we talk about cast <laughs> but yeah uh yeah <laughs>
0: so um he he actually says you know we're, we're kept as, as slaves uh mm. mainly here sorting out their food so they're quite hungry oh yeah that's true monster. Yeah. so yeah. it makes sense to double up on the uh on the location as well if you're gonna you know have slaves you might as well keep them in the kitchen to keep the food coming it's
2: brilliant though i love it's it great. i wouldn't, wouldn't have it any other way the security yeah. kitchen Ki- security kitchen i'm going to get me a security kitchen i love the statue as well mate don't you i think that's a really cool mm. idea of having the human body but then they've stuck their head on it yeah. really
0: really cool symbolic of their uh, power. Sort of power over the, mm. the guardians and stuff so yeah yeah so i think just to round off story stuff it's um you, you've probably got the gist of what it's about now. The, um, you know, the the, the, the humans are in charge. They're on their way to the planet. Halfway through, after the doctors left, there's been a, a, there's been a revolt, whatever you want to call it, a coup, and um and the the monoids have now seized power. The humans are in are enslaved, and the um the monoids now want to uh, take. Uh, The planet refuses as their own. And uh, I think the initial plan was to take the humans with them and continue them as slaves. But I think because of what happens and the uh, monoid one gets a bit sort of panicky about what the humans are up to, he then decides to just blow up the spaceship once they've landed on the planet and, and destroy them
2: we do get that other element of this invisible race though which is a bit odd and i don't really know how i feel about that Mm. because it doesn't it feels a bit thrown in there to me i don't know don't know if you agree but um also the fact that the doctor says can you see each other and the guy's like no and i was thinking i just you'd just be bumping into how many of you are there (laughs) (laughs) just be banging into each other and furniture moving around and it it also i'm not quite sure about that i never quite got the concept of it but i mean i think it's there really just to bring the conclusion like because they eventually lift up the statue uh, which is turns out to be the bomb that the monoids have left to blow it so they they kind of work in terms of that but yeah, they felt a little bit thrown into the story to me. I didn't think that—that's the least successful part of the story for me. I think,
0: yeah, the invisible race, yeah, that didn't quite work for me. Yeah, what are they called the refuse—I'm not sure the refusions. what refusions. The Refusions. that's it. right. The Refusions, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The actual planets, refusus two. So maybe on refusus one, they're not invisible.
2: Yeah, I think he says like, there is a reason for what Invisible, I forget what it is. There's a nice scene to, when Hartnell's sat in a chair having a chat with, him, with an invisible refusius, or whatever they're called. That's mm. quite funny. Only Hartnell could pull that off, I think. Just, <laughs> he just casually sat there chatting away to an empty chair, uh, but quite convincingly. Yeah,
0: that's what I was going to say, actually, um, touching on these refusions. Um, yeah, yeah it is a bit gimmicky. Little t- bit, to have an yeah. end story, however, I thought that the effects for the time were done really well, so obviously you get like the fishing line attached to the bush, so you know you give mm-hmm. it a yank and you know <laughs> that's supposed to simulate somebody walking through the bush and but I thought like the the um the indent in the chair is if somebody sat on it you know that was really yeah. cool and um um, what there was another effect as well that i'm forgetting but i thought it was done really well for its time i mean
3: yeah um,
2: that comes back to what i was saying about them making an effort because you know like we get to see some of the shuttles dropping down on the planet mm. in the background now i know it doesn't look particularly good but i can totally see what they're trying to do and uh i just think again you just sort of think okay they're making the effort it didn't didn't even have to bother doing that really they could have literally just pan round and showed the full <laughs> model uh the full um spaceship that they've yeah. built on set yeah. but they sort of do this scene don't they where the ships sort of land they're quite small they land on the actual planet and it pans around so i thought yeah again you know they're, they're trying to make something good here even that hasn't quite worked
0: yeah yeah well that's what I, I mentioned earlier they've employed some real sort of um uh, some some filmmaking techniques that yeah. they they had to do because they had no other way of and no other budget of doing it really so they've used that a couple of times i think it's like this forced perspective sort of thing where they've used models but they've tried to make it look like they're full-size things so they did it with the statue so anytime you see the statue it's probably only like 30 centimeters tall this statue that was made in a model shop but the way that the angles and you know the background the way they've tried to do it so it looks like it's huge and the same with these little little um shuttles that come down from the arc onto exactly. the planet the, you know you see it landing and it's meant to be this, this big craft but you can tell it's a model they haven't quite advanced the techniques at that point no you know for it to be 100% convincing but like you say Matt they gave it a shot they, they and it does it the go. job yeah it does the job yeah. Yeah. Uh so story wise, that was the that was the thing and it does move along. The editing's not too bad. It's fairly standard right. for its time. Um there was a couple of moments where they could have cut the scene off a bit earlier. It did some of them did go on for you know, a little bit. I think that's just television for its time, though. It was very much more a relaxed thing and you know, scenes where you just had people that had finished their lines, but then they'd go and sit down, <laughs> or they'd you know, they'd go for a walk and then that would happen and then it would fade out and fade in again to the next one. So yeah, very much for its time, obviously, all that stuff. And uh and I like the music as well. There was a couple of little moments where the doctor first when they first go inside the ark, Guardian sort of control room sort of thing, and mm. there's a bit later on when they're on Refuseus where the Doctor first steps into one of the buildings that the refusions had built for the you know for the imminent human arrival. So they built these big buildings and palaces, didn't they? Because they knew the humans were coming, which yeah. is weird. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when the Doctor first steps in, it's like this really cool piece of music, and I've, I recognise it instantly because I always it always pops up on when I listen to the soundtrack. So I normally put it on random and it just picks whatever, but I always really like that piece of music and it only appears two or three times throughout the four parts. But yeah, it's but, um,
2: yeah, it's Tristan Carey, isn't it? Done, done a lot of that, I think. So I think, I think it's stock music, but they use a lot of his music in it. Yeah, it's nice. I think I know the piece you mean.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah, it's yeah. like a sort of foreboding, sinister, yes, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I like that as well. Yeah, yeah. very, very cool. And um, yeah, and that's sort of production wise. Um I think this is one of the first I think this is the first story in this series, which is what series three. Um where all of the parts are there. It's because I think up to that point the stories in series three, there was at least one part missing. That's right, yeah. So production wise, yeah, they've only got the sixteen millimeter um um film stock left but it's not too bad i was expecting it to be quite fuzzy and really sort of off at some points but it's not too bad actually this one
2: no 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 it's pretty decent actually because there's a lot of um they use a lot of uh the set design she's a lot of do they call them flats or i'm not sure there's a lot of they're like big paintings that are supposed to make the set look like they go back quite far
0: oh yeah Um, the matte paintings yeah
2: matte paintings and they don't look too bad in this um we've certainly seen a lot worse i mean (laughs) they yeah they're a bit obvious but they i think they look quite nicely done
0: Hmm. yeah for
2: for the time i thought yeah but they show up you know when something's quite clear like this they they show up even more
0: they do yeah. yeah um let's talk about some characters yes uh supporting cast wise um right you mentioned there was one character in i, I think I know. well who there's only
2: one that i had to go and find his name because i couldn't i didn't get anybody's name in this um actually there's two two that i want to highlight actually um for different totally different reasons so um don't know any of their names but i thought the supporting cast were not great but i did think they were trying i don't think they were awful i, I think we've seen a hell of a lot worse so i think i think they did a decent job but um, but I wouldn't say the supporting cast were particularly good in terms of the acting, right. if I'm honest. Yeah, yeah. But I think they're all right. But the one I wanted to mention, well, the two I want to mention is, um, first off, uh, really surprised to see Michael Sheard popping up because I'd forgotten he was in it. Um, and he's his acting's fine. I I think he's a great actor anyway, Michael Sheard, and he pops up in quite a few Doctor Who episodes. So he's in Remembrance as the. Headmaster and, um, oh, yeah, yes. Is it the invisible enemies in? Tom yeah. Baker and he's yeah. in Pyramids and Mars. And yeah, so he pops up a few times, Dr. And I didn't remember him being in this. So he plays the doctor in it or the, what is he? He's like a, when, when they get the cold, he's like, I don't know if he's a doctor actually, but he's, he's sort of looking oh, into it. And he's yes. wearing this funny face and he looks very young actually. So he's only in it for a very short time. Ross, um, he played. Yeah. Ross, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, just lovely to see my Sheard popping up in this because I'd forgotten about it. But, going back to the (laughs) slightly not so good acting i have to highlight the commander who does really throw himself into the role in episodes one and two um until he gets the cold and he's flawed um (laughs) but for me i was thinking his performance um was very over the top and quite camp and it just took me out of the story a little bit um I, I think he was trying really hard to give a good performance and it's no detriment to him. But but I didn't think he was particularly convincing. He's a bit of a wet fish
0: <laughs> for a commander. Hmm. I, I thought that was the guy you were going to pick out.
2: Yeah, I, if, I, there, if I was going to highlight one as being a little bit too over the top, it would be him.
0: Yes, he, um, Eric Elliott. Yeah. Um, but he was really old, like at the time I mean, of this fil- <laughs> the time of he film he seems
2: to be having a ball he seems to be absolutely loving it but perhaps a little bit too much I think he should have reigned in his yeah. performance a bit, but he's really yeah he's having the time of his life in this one isn't he yeah
0: he's I mean-
2: like hello and he's like <laughs> leaning across the monitors how are you all and all this he's very sort of he's very jovial but um, yeah for me he
0: was a bit OTT yeah very he's stern done. but very kind of yeah, just yeah, having a time of his life, really. Because he's probably yeah. thinking, you know, I'm sort of nearing retirement age now. Because uh, he was born in 1902. Wow. Yeah. And, um, yeah, he lived until the early 80s, I believe. But like every, almost every actor who's ever appeared in Classic Who, he went on to Zed Cars.
2: Oh, right. At some point, yeah. as
0: everyone does. But he's been in quite a few things. And, uh, yeah, but I thought the same. He has not quite... Oh, um, no, I've forgotten the actor's name. Who's the actor's name we always reference? David like, Collins. David Collins, that's it. I'm going to have to write definitely, that.
2: Definitely bordering on that, though.
0: Yeah, Bordering, but that not leopard. quite as bad. He hasn't taken the crown off David yet. Yeah, I'm going to have to write that down on a post-it note. Let's
2: when when we there. say bad, we just
0: mean o- over the top, because I do like David Collins. Chewing <laughs> uh, the but wood. he's
2: very theatrical, <laughs> shall we say. Very theatrical. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: David Collins. What was that? That was the... Um... Robots of Death, isn't it? Toos... Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs>
3: it's
0: a oh. robot. Anyway. Oh, yeah. yeah, Yeah. So, I mean, although we're sort of criticising, they were, like we said at the beginning, they were giving it, the, you know, a, a solid effort. They really and wanted to. And it still to.
2: makes it yeah. fun to watch, doesn't it? Because yeah. even though I'm sat there thinking, oh, my goodness me, chewing the Syndrome, it still was really fun to watch him going for
3: it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and there was one guy that I quite liked as well. Um, it was a little bit OTT, but I quite liked his performance. And that was in episode... Too. He was in the first couple of episodes, but he really comes into his own. He's the one that sort of uh, overtakes control while the commander is sick. Yeah, I and, know what you mean. Yeah, and he's the guy that really pushed for the doctor to be and and, and the companions Shrunk. to be yeah, punished. And he's got no trust in them whatsoever. So mm. I thought he was really good. And it really annoyed me that I can't remember his character name so that I could match up with the actor. But mm. whoever that character was, I thought he was very cool.
2: Yeah, he was he was yeah. one of the better ones, definitely. Because it's it's good that he's so adamant that it's you know that he's in the right, and then the commander sort of says, well, you know, we'll give him this chance, and if they don't manage to, what is it, heal the cold, we'll then you can have your way or something. And he's very disgruntled, is not he? So yeah, no, I thought he was okay. He's yeah. decent, whatever yeah. his name was, yeah, whatever his name was, yeah.
0: <laughs> um, What's his name? Yeah. Uh, any other support characters before we get on to the the TARDIS team people?
2: No, I'll be honest with you, none of the others really stood out to me, yeah. particularly, apart from those those two, yeah, or three,
0: yeah. Okay, so Dodo then, Jackie Lane. Mm,
2: very weak in this, um, I thought, because um, I don't know her very well as a companion. She's one I, I'll be honest with you, I tend to forget Dodo. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't, um, I don't know, I, I, I mean, as we watch more of her stories, I want to see more of her, actually, more of her character, because Jackie Lane um yeah she's just one of those characters if you know if you say to me first doctor i don't immediately think of dodo or i think you know of uh you know susan or or um barbara or polly even but i never really think of dodo so i was quite when she's first gets at the tardis i was quite sort of like oh i haven't seen this companion for a while mm-hmm. what's she like And she doesn't really do anything And what she does do, I found her a little bit irritating. So it's probably not her best story because it's her first proper trip in the TARDIS. I think she only joins them in the previous story, doesn't she? Which probably explains her costume. So it's her first sort of proper trip in the TARDIS, I think. So, you know, I I have to give her a bit of slack. and, And I think from what I was seeing in the little extras on the DVD, I think she settles down over the next few stories or whatever she's in. So, yeah, I'd like to see more of her as a companion, but she didn't do anything for me at all in this story. Um, not all her fault because, to be fair, she didn't have a lot written for her to do. But, hmm. yeah, I just found her a little bit irritating in it. In yeah. terms of her acting it was a bit sort of yeah. a bit uh, theatre. Yeah, I wasn't over-fond of her.
0: Yeah, the, the, I don't mind Doda. She's okay. But the, my main issue with her is that they cast somebody that's too similar to Susan. Mm. that's my only sort of hang up with with Dodo. i think she's a she's a, yeah. a a decent actress and stuff and she's not too bad but she's just too similar to susan i feel um but she's okay i mean interestingly jackie lane you know she went on to be um an agent
2: yeah so i hear yeah
0: yeah, yeah. she went on to manage tom baker
2: Did
0: she? Um, yeah Jeanette oh, fielding um oh. and nick courtney as well Oh no, really? No, I didn't know that. No. Yeah, so she went on to manage those peeps and probably landed them their roles I would have thought. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think yeah, she was okay in it. She wasn't. Yeah, she's all right but yeah. didn't didn't do much for me. Uh, what about Peter
2: Purvis? Um I thought he was really going for it. Um he's again a little over the top at times but I quite liked him in actually. He certainly livened up some of the scenes that definitely needed livening up if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I think he was um He's put him. He's pushed himself forward a bit. I think he's obviously been told that, you know, he's just going to be the sort of he's stepping into um, Ian's shoes, isn't he? As being the strong yes. yep. um, companion, you know. So yeah, he's he's grabbed the part of both hands. I thought he was very decent in it, um, and uh, yeah, I didn't have any cards with him. I thought he was he was pretty good. The acting was fine. Uh, as I said, sometimes he may have gone a little bit shouty over the top when he's in the prison, but no, I thought he was good, you know, in, with
0: what he was given to do. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think he was, he he definitely played the, uh, again, it's very, he's very similar to Ian's character in some respects. Because he is a bit, yeah. He's like the younger, stronger you know ready for a bit of a scrap if need be (laughs) That's
2: it. i'm taking no nonsense yeah
0: kind of character whereas a doctor would never get in a well not this doctor anyway Mm. hartner would never get into a fist fight with anybody whereas i think um i think steven would probably throw down if he had to
2: yeah, I mean, oh yeah, you know, the first Doctor might slam a rock over the back of your head, yeah,
0: <laughs> but he wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> but that's Depends what, I mean. what he mood would,
2: he's in. Yeah. Well, yeah, he wouldn't. But, it's not like um, normally he's quite yeah stands yeah. back and
0: yeah. Whereas somebody like Pertwee, you know, he oh, gets he'd into be in his it like Flash. Yeah, he has his fair share of scuffles and yeah, and those so if he slaps around. Where well, you, you can't, you can't see Hartnell doing that really. No. Okay. So Stephen's there. Not. I'm not saying that he's there like as the muscle. But what I mean is he's quite strong and, you know, would he's got your back. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And he's pretty good in this. There's a couple of scenes where he really goes for it and he's quite, he gets quite infuriated with what's going on and, you know, he's quite passionate. So, yeah. He Pr- reigns Dodo
2: in quite a lot, doesn't he? He's, he does. he's quite cross with her for most of the story. For It's almost as if he finds her quite irritating.
0: Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> and Hartnell then. Hartnell. I know we touched on him briefly, but... Uh, mm-hmm. I would say that I wouldn't say it's his best, um, his best story from his era, and nor is it his best performance. But there's certainly not anything bad about it, really. I just wish that he was in it a bit more. That's the only thing for me.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with that because when he, it, the, you know, he lights up the screen as soon as he enters the room, doesn't he? There's a, I think it's episode two or three. There's a bit where he kind of... actually it might even be four. There's a bit where there's a crowd. And he sort of, he almost makes a bit of a grand entrance. He like pushes them to the side, doesn't he? Is yeah. it the end of it? He sort of just comes through the crowd it and is. says, yes, yeah. that's right. And suddenly takes control of the whole scene. That's right. And I was thinking, yeah. yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's really nice. But yeah, I'd like to see more of him in it. I, th- I thought he was really, he seemed to me very confident and relaxed, which is why I goes back to what I was saying earlier. It's surprising because as we're getting towards this end of Hartnell's era, so at this point, you know, I'd expect Hartnell to be sort of a little bit worn out, you know, a little bit drained because of what we've heard towards the end of his ear and stuff. But for me, he's still firing on all cylinders. He seems mm-hmm. very relaxed and comfortable in the part. And we know that he was, you know, quite upset when the early cast members left. So he's dealing with a new cast and he's got this new companion, Dodo. And he just seems to be taking it all in his stride. Um, And I think, like you said, Dodo, a bit similar to Susan, um, especially from Hartnell's point of view, because he's like telling her off. A lot. Like he used yep. to do. So like, he tells her off the way she speaks at the beginning, doesn't he? Yeah. He's like, what's all this talk child, you know, and all this. And it's, yeah. So he slipped a bit back into that grandfathery figure. And I really liked that. I thought, oh, you know, it's, it's, it suits him. So I, I have no qualms with Hartnell. I just agree with you. I'd like to see a bit more of him, but, uh, but I think when he's on screen, I think he's fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. he does. I, I completely agree with you. There, those There are most of the moments he completely, lights up the the scene and yeah he's definitely got a presence you know it gives off a a certain aura that the other actors just don't have at that time when he's mm. on you know on screen at the same time uh so i think yeah he's yeah he, he has that nice mix again i love with heart where he's quite quite short and stroppy at times but also he, he's quite funny at other times and quite relaxed and just goes with it
2: and the thing I love about Hartner is, as well, when when the they're stuck on the planet and the spaceship's blown up at the end, and Dodo's kicking off, what are we gonna do? What if this doesn't happen? And he just sort of says, "Well, we'll just have to stay here, then, won't we?" And he's so matter of fact,
0: matter of fact about it. Yeah,
2: like, well, we'll just have to, we'll just have to stay here. What's what's the problem? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I love about Hartner. It's just like whatever situation he's in you know what will be will be isn't mm-hmm. it with him oh, so that's what i love about him yeah, yeah.
0: and he does tell dodo <laughs> off quite a lot it's quite funny oh
2: well, he does about yeah. her
0: english and stuff what is this child <laughs> yeah, what are you yeah. wearing
2: child he even says at one point doesn't he yeah and he Bearing. does a lot of that little
0: chuckling thing as well most yeah. of his lines are followed up with the little <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> he still seems to be enjoying the part that's what i found like i still can see this little you know twinkle in his eye don't you think he still seems to be loving being the doctor yes Um, don't you don't feel like he's going through the motions at all absolutely
0: yeah yeah so that's the arc anything else you want to mention before scores no no we've covered it mate i haven't got any other notes right um who's going to go first you go first. I'll go first. Okay. I will give this a 6.5. Oh,
2: well, okay. I think that's a fair score. I was somewhere around that mark. I've gone slightly higher. I've gone for a seven,
0: a seven. Okay.
2: Yeah. I was between 6.5 and a seven. Six is too low. I think it's definitely better than that. Seven. I must admit, seems slightly too high. So I nearly went for 6.5, but I did enjoy it, mate. I really did. So I, I'm going to go seven.
0: Yeah. I enjoyed watching it. Okay. I'll read you. Um, Right, what did our lovely listeners think? We had a couple of audio clips in, so let's do one of those first. I think this is uh, Maria's first audio clip, because she's sent in...
2: Maria,
0: gotta see her. So I think she sent in some uh, some review clips before, but... Crikey. Uh, I thought you were going to do the West End version then.
2: Oh no, I'll save that one for next week.
0: And I'm from uh listening to the opening seconds of maria's clip it's absolutely 100% confirmed that uh we've been saying her name incorrectly right which will be of no surprise to anyone but anyway <laughs> this is maria's thoughts on the arc
1: Hi Adam and Gary, it's Maria Kolottichou here with my review of The Ark. So what I really like is that by this stage um, of season three there definitely seems a confidence with the production and Bill Hartnell is very comfortable in his role as a doctor. Um, I don't know that I actually like Dodo that much here, um, she seems very impulsive and childlike and there doesn't seem to be much to her yet um, but it's great to be able to see a full story with Stephen who who's a hugely reliable member of the TARDIS team and fits in really well. Um, The ARC is really nicely realised, especially the jungle at the beginning, um, even with the motorised transport, um, and there are some really nice model shots. Um, I really enjoyed the idea of revisiting the same place again, Um, And the nice surprise of the head of the statue um, being not what what was expected. Um, It's a great way of expressing the passing of time too. And I did like the twist very much that the Monoids are in charge later um, when the team return. Um, They're much more interesting to watch, um, although I kept um, getting distracted by the Monoid eye each time one of them was talking. Um, the human guardians are unusually naive, and um, the way they treat the monides um, suggests they're a bit narrow minded, which doesn't really bode well for their future. Um, I didn't think refuses um, necessarily suggested paradise um, before they arrived, and um, I did wonder how it would all work out for them um, long term. I do like the idea that Dodo's cold um, causes a plague for the human guardians um, and, you know, the doctor is rightly worried about their impact as travellers. You know, it's quite refreshing to see this as most of the time the doctor um, gallivants here and there um, without really tackling um, this kind of issue. So overall, I think this story is a 7 out of 10 for me. Take care. See you next time. Bye bye
0: thank you very much maria thank you maria excellent review yes and it is clear that i've been saying your surname incorrectly which i'm very sorry about
2: very good point about refusers not looking like paradise imagine them traveling all that way yeah. and then just getting there and it's just a swamp
0: with a few trees <laughs> <laughs> that would suck wouldn't it yes it would indeed uh, right over on twitter <laughs> uh, um uh, classic doctor who actually Oh. who i followed for a very long time. Uh, they've said, uh, adore this story. Uh, finally watched it a few years ago. Uh, it genuinely surprised me halfway through. Mm. He says, uh, sorry, they say, yes, spoilers can be avoided for decades. <laughs> um, uh, Peggy M37 says, a hidden gem of Doctor Who and one of my all-time favorite stories. The surprise halfway through was Chilling, Ooh. which it is. And um, Greg Hobbs, his name is Scraggly Bear says very very solid story uh, great story structure classic pace great sci-fi idea mm. which i would agree with yes me too um over on facebook we only had a few on here so aaron ball says i find it quite underrated uh, the idea of changing uh, time is a great lesson and the effects it can have i find dodo annoying to be honest but steven is brilliant per usual only if more episodes with steven were around and Hartnell, per usual, he is just a magical Doctor. And last but not least, the Monoids are a cool design. I like the idea. Overall, underrated story, which I will give a 7 out of 10.
2: Mm, another 7.
0: Uh, let's do our second audio clip. This is from Dan and from the TARDIS. This is Sammy Satane.
2: Sammy.
1: G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satane here. Why is it every time I see the first Doctor, I want to quit my pills and say, Hmm. My dear child, when we get back to the TARDIS, I'm going to teach you how to speak English properly. (laughs) I like Dodo. She seems like a character to me. I also like how the monads go from silent to speaking. This is really two stories in one. It's great! The refusions prove that even though they are invisible, they can make peace. Seven out of ten. See ya!
0: Thank you, Sammy.
2: Cheers, Sammy. Great review.
0: Another seven. Seems to be a popular score, that one. Uh, Right, back on Facebook, uh, Leslie Shergold says, uh, take them away to the security kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Best line ever. Uh, There's a lot to like in the arc, a tiny, wimy cliffhanger to episode two, uh, good production values, uh, some really good sets and music, but I don't feel it's particularly dramatic and only perks up whenever the TARDIS crew are on screen. An ambitious tale let down by the unfortunate, laughable monoids, but still a solid six out of ten fair enough Uh, Miles McKenzie says uh, got this story um, from HMV a few years back and I was feeling up for a bit of Hartnell I don't know how to feel about it though I like some elements and others not so much Uh, it is a watchable though and the cast did a really good job 5 out of 10
1: and lastly
0: Lewis Palmer says uh, a good story of two halves Uh, I found the first two episodes uh, to be really cool self-contained story and the idea of returning to the same place at a different time is inspired Uh, they do some really cool stuff with the different time zones however a good concept does not make a good story and i found the last two episodes dragged heavily i'm tempted to rate it higher just for the sheer creativity and interesting sci-fi concepts but it's a five out of ten from me thank you mr apple
2: yeah good create creativity i agree with that Mm.
0: Uh, so that Mm. does it for the official facebook page do you have anything over on the geek's handbag Yeah, I did. Yeah. Funny
2: enough, the first one is from our competition winner. Um, Elliot Beasley. Uh, He really likes the design of the Monoids and and felt that it had some good model work uh, going on in there. He says the time-lapse cliffhanger to episode two is impressive. Viewers in 1966 with no idea of how long each episode might last would have been completely thrown. Uh, It's also possibly the funniest line ever with take them to the security kitchen as well, which we all love. However, there's not much characterization within the story, so both the humans and the Monoids tend to be a bit one-dimensional, he says. But overall, it's by no means perfect but a nice and fun watch he gives it an eight out of ten yeah. so yeah agree with a lot of that um over on facebook i had a, a couple of reviews the same as you so uh patrick sherwood says um he likes the arc uh, for what it is it's not the best first doctor story uh, but the cast are good and he's going to give it an 8.5 out of 10 so quite high cool. jamie ackley uh says uh i'd say in a nutshell it's blinking daft and kind of charming uh dodo's cold acting is unforgivable however <laughs> and uh, M- uh mike or mick sorry uh willis best just simply says he loves this story so yeah i think we get the impression that it's it's got a charm to it it's yes. quite loved but it's not perfect but it's a uh, it's a if someone said to you gary would you recommend watching it would you say yes because i think i would i'd say there's not a lot of action in it but it's a it's a decent watch i,
0: I would think, actually so I, yeah i yeah. would say yeah if you're after a hartnell story that you haven't seen so if yeah. anyone seemed like the more popular ones out there I, you know and you were looking for another one to watch i would i would definitely recommend it yep.
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah Uh, so that's going to do for scores thank you so much guys for sending in your thoughts and reviews and your audio clips Uh, very much appreciated Uh, and I think uh, actually no before we end what are we going to do next week
2: oh next week um, we're uh, going back to the 10th Doctor Um, we're going to be watching The Runaway Bride
0: Christmas is early Runaway Christmas has come early yeah Yeah. Runaway Bride Uh, so I believe I haven't seen it in a long time I believe that's Catherine Tate's first adventure with The Doctor isn't it
2: yeah, I was going to say, as soon as you put it on the schedule, first thing that pops into my mind is the taxi TARDIS chase. So oh, yeah. that's about all yeah. I can remember from this one. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing that again.
0: Yes. 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 And I think we're going to do yeah. there for 151. hmm Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for sticking with us and listening to 151. It's been an interesting show. Hmm. Hmm. Mainly due to those monoids. And their (laughs) hilarity at everything. I just can't... And their tantrums. And their tantrums, yes.
3: Uh,
0: If anyone... Yeah, if anyone does... After you've listened to this, and you go on to watch... um, the ark do let us know if you find the same things funny that we mm-hmm. do because some of it is hilarious unintentionally of course yeah yep. yes uh so yeah next week is going to be the runaway bride so looking forward to um uh, your thoughts and views on that so look out for the social posts on there to get your reviews in so make sure you give that a watch over the next week uh, head over to our website www bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk you can listen to all of the previous episodes on there plus you can link off to uh, all of the subscription um platforms and apps and channels however you want to listen to our show is fine um we're there's a big button to subscribe on itunes uh, if you're an itunes listener it would be great to grab a review and a rating off you that really helps us uh, but otherwise just click on one of the other options or do a search we're on most places uh, make sure you check out Adam's channel, the Geeks Handbag.
2: Yes, should be doing a bit of filming this afternoon.
0: This it happens. It's, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so do a search for the Geeks Handbag on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter and all that jazz. Loads and loads of good content from Adam. Cracking videos, really good stuff. You won't be disappointed. Because I often spend, I often go on there to watch your latest video but then I just end up watching like seven or eight of them at a the time and I've lost like 45 minutes. <laughs> That's what happens. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Um, thank you so much again for, um, for listening to our waffle about London comic-con and all that stuff. We'll probably give you a rundown on whichever one we go to next. Yes. And uh, yeah. So next week, the runaway bride, we'll look forward to your thoughts and feelings on that one. Until then, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, Eh, eh. Oh. <laughs> and remember <laughs> eh. Eh.